right, back in here on the fan. Now, as we always do, let's get to the fan focus. All right, we start off uh, start off with Nick and Dustin on the Browns Seahawks game and what they're expecting this weekend. Whether or not they're expecting a win, if they do win, I think we're going to have to put together some of the tropes that have started to come up over the last two weeks about concerns about sustainability of ugly wins and being able to continuously win these games. It doesn't mean they're literally going to win every ugly matchup, but without your starting quarterback, if you if you have San Francisco at home and then Indy, who's a Kind of middle of the road matchup, but but can be a tougher matchup, especially with the way they play. Uh, and then you go to Seattle, who people think is a playoff team. If you get this win, I'm sorry, like I, I think the doubting of whether it's real or not goes the way of the dodo, because I think it's real, and then it just becomes, well, okay, can you win 75% of these games or can you win 50% of these games? I don't know that this weekend necessarily stamps down whether or not this team and this thing is for real. Hey, how you win matters for sure. I think ultimately, though, we're just going to know. We're going to know that P.J. Walker isn't that guy. And I think it's going to just sit in the back of our brains. Now, if Deshaun Watson can come back and be ready to go against Arizona and we can put that all behind us, then who cares how we went 3-0 and in the P.J. Walker era as long as we go 3-0? and Hell, I don't even care if Deshaun Watson's out for an extended period of time. If P.J. Walker just continues to win football games, then not bothered by it in the slightest bit. We might do a case study on it later on and be like, how did he win so many games being so bad at quarterback? But, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot to say about this Browns team if we move to 5-2 and two for sure. I don't think there's anything definitive, though, that can come out of this weekend. I think if they look awesome, we're still going to say, I don't know about this team. I don't know. They're great defense. I don't know about this offense, though. You can't have that bad a quarterback play and continue to move forward. And on the other side of it, if they look bad and get their teeth kicked in, we're going to be like, of course that happens. Defense can only be good for so long. Geno Smith is not a scrub. And on top of it, P.J. Walker is just P.J. Walker. How the Browns respond to both is what I'm interested in. We're going to have a, uh, a reaction regardless because unless they just punt on the Cardinals game, which makes no sense at all, they're going to make a move one way or another before the deadline, I would imagine. And not making a move... By the way, also counts as a move. Oh, man, I, uh, next week's going to be wild. All right, next up, Ken and Lima on Scary Movies. I think that Nightmare on Elm Street is still the scariest movie I've ever seen. The original. Is it? Is it because there are, like, the jump moments or whatever? Yeah. The it's, jump scares? Yes. It's um, but because it's in Ohio. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. And my mom, my mom famously had terrible taste in movies. She had great taste in music, which is odd. Usually I have good taste in both. She had terrible taste in movies. And she she made it out to be the worst of the worst movies, terrifying movies ever. Like she said she slept with a light on for the next month after that movie came out. And my aunt like made me watch it with her and her boyfriend when I was little and it was just the worst experience I've ever sat through in my entire life. And then she made me watch Phantasm like the next week, and that was also one of the worst experiences I. Why ever was had that a bad experience? Because I don't. I'm a little kid. I'm a four year old kid. I didn't like scary movies, Anthony. It's 1990. I was not a fan of scary movies. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I might have been three. It might have been still the 80s. And my aunt, yes, my aunt, who was, I told you, skiing in my neighbor's driveway or her neighbor's driveway, then would come home and let's watch. I'm bring my boyfriend over, and we're gonna watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And Kenny, you're gonna watch it. I'm like, what? No, I don't want to watch this. I'm terrified. Nope, made me watch it. I 
don't like scary movies is the confession I'm going to make for you guys. I don't like them. I'm not into them. The only scary movie franchise that I'm into, though, okay, there is one, and I think it's one that, I think it transcends. Do you know what it is? Have I told you what it is, Jax? Saw. Yeah, Saw. Yeah, you remember. Yeah. It's the only ones I'll watch. Only ones I'll watch. I love them. I think they're so well done. I don't know why I love them, because when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, they get horrible Rotten Tomato scores. Like, like, nobody likes them, apparently. I thought everyone liked them. Want to play a game? It's fun. I don't know. Whatever. Nobody likes them, apparently. I I love them. I think they're awesome. But it's the only scary movies I want to do. I, my wife, you know, she's my wife for a reason. When she saw me watching Saw, she's like, who did I marry? This is not you. You don't watch these type of movies. I don't know. I got a soft spot for Saw. I like the Saw movies. I think it's because they're they're. It's not like they're great acting or anything like that, but the concepts are good. It's a game with high stakes. Like does um. Oh, what's the what's the Netflix one that came out that was really popular last year that was dubbed over? Um, they're making that. They're making it into an actual game. Squid Game. Squid Games. Thank you. Does that count as a scary movie? There's a lot of death in that movie. I'm a lot of death in that movie. Does that count as a scary movie? I don't think so. Because I mean, it was a series, but that was awesome. I don't think it counts either. But that's a lot of death, though. It's a lot of death. That kind of reminds me of Saw, though, in that like it's just well done. There's also an element of game gamemanship involved to it, and clearly, I host a sports talk radio show. So clearly, there's something about games that I enjoy, right? I like the win-loss aspect of it. And anytime you're gonna throw a win-loss aspect into, uh, you either live or you die. You gotta talk about high stakes. Like Barry Bonds never. Okay, he never he never went through that. Worst thing that happened to Barry Bonds is he struck out. Didn't lose his life over a strikeout. Oh man, now I'm coming up with different concepts. Not involving Barry Bonds. But involving, like, what if you did, like, a softball game where all the losers die? You telling me? Now, that's too gruesome for real life. But are you telling me if they made a movie about that and that's not, like, a big seller? It's probably a big seller. I always bring up the uh, the NFL version, right? Like, fate of the universe. Fate of the universe is on the line. Who's my starting quarterback in that game? Patrick Mahomes is my starting quarterback in that game. Now, turn that into a Saul franchise, and here we go. I hate scary movies, though. I really do. I hate them all, except for Saw. And I guess Squid Games, but it doesn't count. All right, Baskin and Phelps on the ref situation. If they're going to review every play and they've got to buzz down to stop play, that doesn't mean they're going to buzz down on every play. And if there's any kind of, like, anything that might be like, you know what, let's just look at it. Let's make sure we got it right. I don't have a problem with that. Get it right. I am with you. I, I want it right. I want it fast. Like that's that's the big thing. I hate the last two minutes of NBA games, or, or last even five minutes of NBA games, where it just takes forever. When they go to replay, and the and the referee walks over and goes, "Click, we are now going to replay to see if that was a goaltend for blah blah blah." And then we have eighteen different angles of it. We're all kind of they standing around it looking up, at each other. They jazzed like, it up with the official coming over, and, right, uh, and you look in the computer speaker, and you're like, "Oh, look, we're having a FaceTime." Yes, exactly. To- hey, I'm FaceTiming with Tony Brothers. Wow, <laughs> like, like I get that. But, like, that's the part of it is then you get this five to ten minutes of everybody kind of standing around as we look at this and go, the ruling on the field is that, or the floor is that it was a flagrant two. Like, 
That's what I want to avoid. I want but are to they avoid getting it right? Are they getting it right? That's my question. They are. So for the integrity but. of the game, how long do you want to sit there and wait for it? I'm with Manigan. I, I can't. I know it's only once a week, so this is different than the NBA, and this is different than baseball, let's say. It's once a week, so we can wait as long as we need to wait in order to make sure that the calls do get right. But I can't wait all night. I can't. I'm not. I'm, football's not a, a four-hour sport for me, okay? I love football. I'll watch football for 13 hours. I get it, but I we got to keep these things moving. I'm not saying you got to really hurry up and, and put us in a, a, a pace of play where you know, it's it's what baseball just did. We can ease into a, a baseball game in a nice way, but or a football game a nice way, but we, we can't we can't have interruptions for five minutes at a time to try to figure out the right play and the right call. It's just it is a it is a fun burglar. It just zaps the fun away from the entirety of the event, and that's ultimately what we can't have. It's not about four hours. We can do four hours if it's four hours of awesome excitement. We can't do four hours if half of the four hours are spent debating was this the right call or not. And that's what ba- that's what baseball tried to avoid. That's what basketball has failed to try to avoid. And that's what football is currently dealing with. Plus, I think they like the confusion of it all. And I, I think they like us talking about these things after the fact. There was no other big talking point after that uh, that Saints playoff game where the refs blew it. I mean, it, 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 Saints fans held parades about the refs blowing it. I, I think they low-key, they like the dysfunction of it all. All right, next up. Nick and Dustin include me, yes, me, and a Friday fit. I would never do this in the morning and midday show because they can't defend themselves here. We'll do it at a later date. Um, but I was listening to the night show the other night, and I might have texted you guys, Peter Lem makes his uh, Friday Fails debut. But I just want to have a debate on it and a discussion on it because I genuinely, I don't know where you guys stand. I only know where I stand. And I feel like a lot of the fan base is conflicted, but I, I haven't gotten the sense that there's that much Emotional latitude. That's not a word. The Browns here. That, that's not a word. All right. Lagi- so I do latitude know. is not a word. I didn't know. Is it latitude or like I? Because I, it sounds like a, another word, kind of close to it. Like I. Well, la- there is latitude. Well, yes, but but I don't even know that emotional latitude is something either. But emotional latitude sounds like something I wouldn't want to have, or maybe I would want to have. Dustin, do you have emotional latitude? Uh, latitude, yes. Longitude, You're a big yeah. latitude guy. You're the latitude guy on the show. Well, that's yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, here's the thing. Anytime you have a three-second pause before you say an expression or a word, that's a pretty good... It's pretty good indication that you're about to say something that could end up on this show. And uh, I, I stand with Peterlin. That's all I'm going to say is I think Peterlin it has emotional latitude, whatever it is. And I hope one day my kids will look back on me at my funeral and say, Papa, he had emotional latitude. Well, you'll never know. Well, no, but that's, I, I, that's why I'm hoping. That's the best part. I'll never even going to ask him because then they'd be like, oh, Nat, no, Dad, you do not have emotional latitude, and I'd be crushed. Yeah, I remember the moment. I do you remember the moment? Not surprised that one made it. Ugh. I was going for latitude. I do remember the, just in a complete moment of honesty. I remember sitting there and then thinking of emotional and then uh, having nothing to have the back end of that. And then 
I went for emotional latitude. It came out latitude because I think in my mind I was like, latitude is not, I don't know that that works. It does work, by the way. It does. But I don't, in my mind, I remember thinking it doesn't work. And then that came out. I, embarrassing. I don't know. And then, and then you think to yourself, you're like, I can stop and we can just, we can address this, this mistake, which is what I usually do. But no one needed to hear me try to figure that one out. That was just a that was a disaster. That was, was a train wreck. And so uh, thank you to the Friday Fails. It was not my debut appearance on there either, by the way. That is number that is time number two on the Friday Fails. I hope to make it a third time at some point soon in the future. I like being included. Although I don't love that they were like, hey, well, I wouldn't do this to the, the midday in the morning because they can't defend himself. And then do it to me where I was not in position to defend myself. So I had to bring it up here now to defend myself. Even though I did a horrible job. I, if I was my own defense attorney, I would fire me on the spot. Because that was not a defense. That was just an admission of guilt and how bad I was in that moment. All right, last up. It's Ken and Anthony. Two of them discuss Ohio State, Michigan, and the whole scandal. I can't believe I'm the one taking this side of things. You know, I, I love to call you out on the carpet for the Ohio State stuff. And you, I'm willing to give them more quarter than you have. I, I say, boy... I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I think there's an asterisk next to those wins. An, yes, an, me. I'm an, saying that. An asterisk? I think there's an For them to do that poorly against TCU, but to do that well against everybody else, I feel that there should be an asterisk next to those wins. I'm not saying that for effect. I can't do that because all I've heard is basically all these coaches, you go to footballscoop.com, every coach... From every big program in the country says we were stealing signs too. I know they've done it differently at Michigan. So you blame Ohio State for I, losing those games? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they they were terrible in the trenches. I want to talk about this when we come on back. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Is there an asterisk next to the Ohio State losses to Michigan? I got a strong beliefs on this one. We'll do it when we come on back. Off the beaten path at nine forty. We'll get to the Cavs when they wrap up as well. It's overtime with John and the Beat on here with you on the fan. Back out of here on the fan. Got Jax back from the Bahamas. It was the Bahamas, right? Correct. Yeah. Big living out there. How'd you figure out the drink situation? Uh, so it was a cashless resort. Yeah, we we talked about it before you left. It was a, it was a uh... correct. Okay, so cashless resort was the way. So you bought everything on your wristband and it was charged to the room. Okay, which means it was charged to your dad. Correct. That's yes. nice. Okay, that's good. Take advantage of that for as long as you yeah, can. Yeah, it was a, it was a birthday trip. He said, even though my birthday was in February, but I think you looked up what it was, right? Because didn't we look up on on like the online what it was? It was like twenty bucks a drink or something yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and did you and your girlfriend even pay attention to that, or were you guys just kind of like? Uh, uh, I mean, we were. Has, there was a couple times where we used our cards, but we just said we told my dad. Yeah, that's put nice. it on the room. Uh, you're a good person. Yeah, that's the same thing we, I would have done. We did feel like really bad. Yeah, because you would have just kept thinking like, oh man, it's twenty bucks a drink. Yeah. But also, I, I want to like, I want to have some drinks. That is uh, part of like the reason why. I don't know why you didn't just do what I said and just just smuggled in the uh, the. Different types of drinks in the Listerine bottle. Yes, my my tip for my cruise, exactly right. I went on a cruise when I was 21 years old, and I didn't want to pay for the the all-you-can-drink 
uh, portion of the cruise, even though I ended up paying for the all-you-can-drink portion of the cruise anyway. And uh, I, I ended up putting a bunch of booze and Listerine bottles and walked down to the cruise, and no one ever stopped me. And at the time, I was into Rumplemints a lot. And so if they would have opened up the Listerine, they would have smelled Rumplemints, which almost smells like Listerine anyway. And I'm telling you, it was not it was not bad living. That's what you had to do, though. I am not against anybody going on a cruise, going into a resort, and then just packing up the Listerine bottles, putting the rum in there, putting the vodka in there, putting the rumble mitts in there. I don't know. Why do I need four things of Listerine on this trip? I have really bad breath. I don't know. It's just I'm just very I'm very self-conscious about it. And I'm embarrassed now that you asked me about it because I don't want to talk about it. No one's ever going to ask. Also, they also know what you're doing, too. You're giving the, the cruise resort people way too much of the benefit of the doubt that they care that you're not buying the drink package. It's not like every person they catch with the Listerine bottles is like, oh, that's a $10 raise for you. Or, oh, you get you get a $10 kickback for every person you like, – no, not at all. I want you guys to have a good time. I think I was 21. Maybe I was 22. Might have been 20, which would have made a little bit more sense. I just think I was cheap. Was the big part of it, yeah. So you didn't do any of that stuff. Did you go to the beaches where you could at least buy like the the yeah. coconut drinks and everything? Oh, yeah, and they had a place in like the water park area that sold um, drinks out of a pineapple. So we did that. out of the pineapple. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's good business. I like that. I always like to support the people on the beach. And I don't know if people in the Bahamas are like, that's a great thing. You're supporting our economy, or why do you support the people on the beach? They'll leave the beach if you don't buy the drinks from them. I don't know. I never know that answer. All right, anyway, glad you had a good time. Man, I've been on a cruise in forever. I keep seeing all these articles about people that are going on cruises, and they're um, like they're buying a year's worth of cruises, and they're making that their apartment because it's cheaper right now to buy a year's worth of cruises and go from ship to ship to ship than it is to just buy an apartment in New York City or San Francisco or Seattle or anywhere where it's really expensive. Obviously, that probably doesn't work for many Clevelanders, uh, but apparently cruise ships are a good deal right now. And apparently uh, apartment pricing never been higher. I can confirm the second part of that. Can't confirm the first part. I did, so I went I went on cruises for a little bit. I love cruises. I went on cruises for a little bit, and I gambled a lot on these cruises. And because I gambled so much on the cruises, and listen, it's not, I didn't get crazy with it, but it was definitely when I was younger, and I was still excited by the prospect of gambling and these things. And I gambled enough that... Well, it was funny. The, the first night they, they, they sent over like a bunch of like chocolate strawberries to my room. That was not a good sign because my mom's like, how much did you gamble that you're getting chocolate strawberries sent to the room? I'm like, I did honestly, I did not gamble that much. And then for years, actual years after they used to send me all these like free coupons for free like cruise ships. Years. I'm talking like five years after I went on that one cruise ship where I gambled a lot and they're like, yeah, just pick out the date, pick out the time of the date. We'll have you on. So uh, next tip for anyone that goes on a cruise, smuggle in Listerine bottles and then also uh, gamble just a little bit and you'll have free cruises for a very long time. Those are my tips. That's my cruise tips. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right. Ken and Anthony said something in the fan focus. We didn't get to really do too much on it because uh, we were going a little long talking about the Browns and everything else. And we had a big Browns first hour, 8 o'clock hour, Odyssey Rewind. Go back and listen to that. We talked about Derrick Henry. We talked about Saquon Barkley. We discussed the running back options for the Browns. And it's a good conversation. So Odyssey Rewind, 7 o'clock hour, go back and listen to that. But 
I'm fascinated by what's going to happen here with Ohio State and Michigan and what the ramifications are going to be for Ryan Day in particular if he loses to Michigan this year and doesn't for a third straight uh, third straight season beat Michigan. And I, I thought it was a, a little surprising that Anthony was saying, and Ken was saying, excuse me, Ken, not Anthony, Ken was saying that there needs to be an asterisk next to the two years that Ohio State lost to Michigan. That's not how this works. But I want to be on your side, Ohio State fans. I do. You guys know I don't have a dog in the fight. My favorite college football team, I get a new one every three hours on Saturday. It's whatever team I'm betting on, okay? That's my, that's my favorite college football team. I don't have a dog in this fight. I like Ohio State because I'm in Ohio and a lot of you guys like Ohio State. So I want your guy, I want you guys to be happy. That's the only reason why. I got a lot of friends that love Ohio State. I root for their happiness. That's the only reason why I want Ohio State to win though. Like Nick and uh, Spencer do our uh, Sons of the Shoe podcast. It's our Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. I'm not doing an Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. Like, I just, I don't like them that much. I, I want them to do well because I want the people that like Ohio State to enjoy your Saturdays. And I live in the state of Ohio, so I'm always happy for that. My grandma actually was a diehard. My grandma, oddly enough, a lot of you guys don't know this. I'm from Chicago. My grandma lived in Lima and grew up a diehard Buckeye. Diehard Buckeye fan. Love the Buckeyes. Love, love the Indians too. I remember coming here as a little kid. And going from Lima to then we went to the Jake and watched like a, an Indians game when it was back like during the big sellout. And like she just loved it, right? But I just, I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. So you know I'm shooting you straight. Because sometimes college football arguments just turn into, wow, shocked. Every Ohio State fan thinks that Michigan is a cheater. Oh, shocked. Every Michigan fan thinks that's, you know, Stealing signs might as well be doing something that was a crime in 1935. I'm not surprised how that one works out. I said on Wednesday, I I thought it didn't look good. I thought I wasn't going to defend Stallions or Harbaugh. I think both are culpable here. But I didn't think it was a big deal. And so I'm the guy saying, I don't think it's going to cost Harbaugh his job. I've been the guy saying, I don't think there's going to be any actual big-time infractions that come to this. So I can't be the guy that turns around and gives Ryan Day a pass. I can't be that guy. And now you get the new information today. And I think this one hurts. And listen, to Lima and Ken's credit, and, and Ken in particular, he didn't have this information when he was making this argument. I don't know if his opinion would change or not with this information, but it might for you guys. Yahoo Sports today. Literally everybody we talked to knew, said one TCU coach. They'd say, just so you know, they steal your signals and they're going to have everything, so you better change them. One coach told the staff that Michigan, quote, has the most elaborate signal stealing in the history of the world. Now that's a little insane. That's not, it's not, there's no way that was the most elaborate, okay, whatever. But TCU changed signs, but they used dummy signs to trick the Wolverines, is what coaches told Yahoo Sports. So TCU apparently was told by multiple coaches, hey, Harbaugh and company are cheating, they're stealing signs, create dummy signs, and you'll have it. You'll be fine. Well, all right, if it's such an open-kept secret, why is it that Ohio State wasn't able to answer that then? 
it's not like, I mean, there's a month in between Ohio State and the game and TCU. It's not like it all of a sudden became this well-known secret across college football in the month that followed Ohio State versus Michigan. According to the report from Yahoo, it was known all throughout the entire season what was going on. And it was just one of those things that people understood. So how can that be the case then? Every coach in America is warning TCU, Ryan Day, if everyone's calling TCU, I can make the assumption everyone is telling Ryan Day as well, watch out for big, bad Michigan, right? But somehow TCU was the only team that learned how to use the dummy signs. It makes no sense to me. Why Why is it that Ohio State wasn't using dummy signs in this situation? That's why I can't let Ryan Day off the hook. Not that I think I would have left him off the hook anyway, but that's why I can't let him off the hook. Sorry. If it's an open secret, everybody knew it, then it's your job to go ahead and then make sure that the dummy signs throw them off. It's your job to make sure that you don't have the same situation that apparently was befalling everyone else that played Michigan. Like, come on, what are we doing here? You lost to them. And I thought Lima made a good point. Let me replay this for you guys in case you didn't catch the fan focus. I thought Lima made a good point at the end. And, I, you know, you know Lima's a Buckeye. I mean, he went to Ohio State. That man is a through-and-through through Buckeye. And he was admitting at the end here they just didn't have the talent. They didn't match up in the trenches. That's why they lost. I can't believe I'm the one taking this side of things. You know, I, I love to call you out on the carpet for the Ohio State stuff. And you, I'm willing to give them more quarter than you have. I, I say, boy, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I think there's an asterisk next to those wins. Yes, me. I'm saying that. An asterisk? I think there's an For them to do that poorly against TCU, but to do that well against everybody else, I feel that there should be an asterisk next to those wins. I'm not saying that for effect. I can't do that because all I've heard is basically all these coaches, you go to footballscoop.com, every coach from every big program in the country says, we were stealing signs too. I know they've done it differently at Michigan. So you blame Ohio State for I, losing those games? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they, they were terrible in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, let's just, you just got to be honest about it. I, I want to defend you, Ohio State fans. I do, even though I've done a miserable job of defending you guys this week because I just don't think it's a big deal. I'm not saying it's nothing. It's just not the level of Michigan is branded as a blatant cheater for the next 40 years, and every Buckeye fan gets to tell me how Ryan Day is actually undefeated against Michigan. It just, I, it's a weird NCAA loophole that Buckeye fans are building for themselves, and it seems odd to me. It's where I feel like common sense should prevail in some of these discussions, and where it doesn't in a lot of these discussions. We can't just retroactively, though, say Ryan Day gets another year if he beats, if he loses to Michigan again. And maybe that's what it is, though. Maybe that, I mean, honestly, maybe that's what it is. I just, I know the perception around this has changed. And it's changed in a good way for Ryan Day. He loses to Michigan. It's a third time. You're supposed to be out of your job. I don't know if I can say that's the case anymore. It's not what I would do. I'm saying what I feel like Ohio State and Ohio State fans would say. I feel like a lot of Ohio State fans and people around Ohio State are ready to give that asterisk that uh, that Ken is asking for. They're ready to dole that one out. And they're ready to say, okay, you're not a three-time loser to Michigan. Okay. They were playing unfair. But I just don't see it that way, guys. I just don't. I don't know that TCU and what they pulled off was necessarily rocket science here and coming up with dummy signals when you knew something was wrong, when you knew something was afoot. 
I feel like if you're as good of a program as Ohio State is, you should be able to figure that out. And honestly, you should have been able to make it work to your advantage. Maybe they did figure it out. You know what? Maybe they did. Maybe they, maybe it's the next report we get is that they did figure it out. And guess what? The, the signs don't matter that much. They don't matter that much because as Deion Sanders said on Tuesday, the only thing that truly matters is what happens when the actual snap happens because it's so hard. You can tell somebody to play ahead of time. Doesn't mean they can stop it. All right, leave that there. But come on back. We're into the Cavs when they wrap up. We'll bring Jake in the mix. We'll go off the beaten path. It's overtime with Jonathan Beaton here with you on the fan. get to the Cavs as soon as they wrap up. A couple things in action tonight here. We got a uh, late Cavs game. We got the World Series, all sorts of things. And now we got Jake Murray off the beaten path. Hello, Jake. Hey, Jonathan. How are you doing? Good, good. What's new with you? I mean, Taylor Swift is the craze today, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, can I say something on that really quick? Really quick. And I'm going to try not to get myself in trouble. I just, why are the Browns ripping off Ken Carmen's tweets? Uh, he won't say it, I will. Why Why are the Browns ripping Ken Carmen's tweets off? Did you see that? I didn't see the exact tweet, but I'm assuming this is in reference to Bernie Kosar and the, the picture. Well, I mean, there's the picture, obviously, but uh, did you see the Browns tweeting out? Brown said, Bernie was our quarterback when we won in Seattle in 1989. Last week, T-Swift and Bernie snapped a photo together. Taylor dropped 1989 today. We take on the Seahawks in Seattle this Sunday. It's all connected. Which is a great tweet. Would be even better if Ken hadn't tweeted the same thing 15 hours ago. Do I just stick up for our guys here? Am I the only one that's going to do it? I might be the only one that's going to do it. So I don't know if that's where you were going with that story or not. Probably not. And you know what? I don't. I, I listen. I I take care of the Browns in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. I we're friends over there. Okay. I'm friends with the Browns. I like the Browns. We're, we we have a mutual. Well, I, I can't say a mutually beneficial friendship. It's more of a very one-sided friendship. I'm very nice to them. They don't acknowledge my presence often. Okay. But here's where I need to go ahead and jeopardize myself. And uh, what the hell is that? The hell is I stealing is a sign to me, Jake. That I just I can't. You can't come back from that in my mind. Okay. Hey, listen, it's not the Haslam's running the social media account, okay? So I can go ahead and rip the social media person. If they want to send me an email, feel free. Jonathan.Peterlin at Odyssey.com. Feel free. But you just blatantly stole Ken's tweets. Be better. You get paid to be a social media guy. Be better to steal Ken's tweets like that. Good for you. Staying up for uh, for Ken Carmen there. It's ridiculous. But- Who are they? Do they think they're Andrew Filipponi stealing all Ken's bits? What's going on here? I was mainly talking about 1989 dropping because okay. I did not see the tweet that you're referencing. But have you given the album a listen? Well, the first time it came out, uh, <laughs> yeah. actually, no, point, I did. Point. I did pull it up today on on the way in in uh, to work, and uh, what I didn't realize was that she releases all sorts of like new songs on these albums. Yeah, I should have known this. I didn't know this, and so I went today, and there was there's three of my put on my uh, my Spotify that was new. One of them was called, like, uh, Suburban Kings or something like that. And I go, my like songs. It's called Suburban Legends. And I was like, well, Taylor really wrote this one about me. <laughs> Living out the burbs the way I am. I was like, I got to listen to this. I, I listen to Now That We Don't Talk, Say Don't Go There, and Suburban Legends. So wait, so did she... These aren't new songs. They're just songs that she didn't release at the time? I believe so. That's my understanding of it, at least, as... Okay. 
a fiance who's obsessed with Taylor Swift. I mean, the yeah. biggest controversy today was whether or not she was going to buy the 1989 cardigan or not. It was a big deal. Well, she's got a big it. Big deal. Well, did she go with it? She didn't. She's always mm. wanted a Taylor Swift cardigan. Never Aww, has, never has pulled buy, the trigger. Buy the cardigan. But the one today, so she loved the color of it and everything, but she is absolutely afraid of birds. Do Not birds sure attack why. cardigans? There's uh, seagulls on the back of them. All over the place because there's seagulls on the album cover. It's on the back of it. She didn't Are love people it. getting attacked? She Are there it. TikToks out there of Taylor Swift fans getting attacked by birds while wearing this? No, that's no. content I'm here for. There's No, there's seagulls like printed on the back of the cardigan. I get that. Yeah. But if she's scared that other birds are going to see the seagulls because no. they're idiots <laughs> and are attacking them, that's the point, right? She just doesn't like birds. Oh, so she oh, doesn't okay. want to wear clothing oh, I with thought birds she was scared that it. birds were going to attack her. No, and she also likes some of the other cardigans more that you know, she's bird, released than bird this on one. Bird crime. So. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, don't... it's tough. What does she got against birds? Does, does she also dislike Larry Bird? I can't comment on Larry Bird or not. These are the questions I need to know. I'll ask her. Yeah, I'll, ask, I'll her, text ask her her thoughts on Larry Bird. I need to know if it extends to all birds or not. But no, she's just always been scared of birds. I can't really explain it. All right. All right. I did not buy the cardigan, by the way. It doesn't, wouldn't no. fit me right. No, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have my size, Jake. That I just think the, the color with your eyes, it wouldn't match. I agree. No. I agree. All right, what do we got tonight? Yeah, following Thursday Night Football last night, many NFL fans are upset with Chris Godwin, who seemed lost on the Hail Mary pass by Baker Mayfield. Uh, fans, me, me. Oh, okay. Well, you as well. Cost me money there, Godwin. Uh, Mike Evans I had the over at 42. Night. I haven't scored a touchdown in that game. Yeah, but he had 49 receiving yards, Jonathan. I know, I know. Yeah. He was on a milk carton until the very last uh, drive, really. Uh, how about that touchdown throw, though? And the, the, what was fantastic is that it hit off the defender's helmet and then went into Evans' hands yeah. as if it was perfectly thrown. Now, you're a Baker guy. I'm a Baker guy, but that was not... That's not a great look for Baker, even though the, the box score says he played a great game. But uh, when, you, when you watch that game, I watch that game. That was not a good Baker game. It really wasn't. It wasn't a good game by Baker Mayfield. It didn't help that almost every possession was, like, inside of their own 10-yard line, it felt like. And yeah, the nothing was really going. The Bills punter was awesome. Yeah. The punter was awesome for the Buffalo He did have a Bills. really good punting game. But you're upset with Chris Godwin, really, for that Hail Mary pass. I'm not upset with him, but I definitely did think, have a little bit more awareness there. Like, that was a perfect Hail Mary end-of-game throw that actually had a chance. It was a good one. It was a good one. Something else that's been talked about with this this play, with this Hail Mary, is the referee's role in Hail Marys. Because... Also, fans alike on social media encouraging them to be more open to calling defensive pass interference on these plays while pushing and holding always takes place in the end zone. Do you think that should be the case moving forward? Yeah, I thought last night. I was like, it is a little odd. There's like seven DPIs here, and no one's going to call it because it's not what you do. We should rewrite that. I agree with that sentiment. If, if it's if it happens, it happens. Why? Why should the defenders get to assault the offensive players and just get away with it scot-free? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, we, in no other part of the game do we allow that. But we do this in the NBA, too. The NBA, there's all sorts of things that at the end of games, we're just like, well, don't worry about that. It was the final possession, so we're not going to call that foul. It's like, no. If we're going to call these things in the third quarter. We need to call these things in the fourth quarter. I, yeah. Uh, now, again, I, I gambled on that game, so I, I might be still thinking with my gambling brain. But I know right now they're not bringing that... They're not bringing my betting slips back. Moving forward, it should be the case. 
I, I I don't know that I don't know that Baker would have converted after getting the DPI. That's the other part of that. But yeah, he should have had a chance. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's fair for defensive players to assault, like you said, just because it is a Hail Mary pass at the end of the fourth quarter to these wide receivers. But I also think good teams shouldn't really have to rely on these Hail Marys at the end of games to win or at least put themselves in a position to win. But at the same time, like you said, these defensive backs really shouldn't be assaulting these wide receivers at all. Yeah, sometimes it's just how the game crumbles, you know what I mean? It's not not like Baker asked to be in a position to throw the Hail Mary. That's all he had. It was a good throw, though. I mean, think about it, though. If he would have done that with 16 seconds left, because he had a couple bad plays in between there. But instead of doing, like, the little, you know, he had, like, a second down out route that he threw for, like, six yards. Instead of doing that, if he would have just tossed it up 45 yards and then just keep kept tossing it up for the final, like, three plays, probably would have put himself in a much better position than trying to, you know, move the ball 10 yards at a time. It was a good throw, though, and that's yeah, what this Baker bro cares about. Yeah, no, he got credit for it, and his box score looked good at the end of it. I tell you what, Tampa Bay—they're now—they've lost now three straight, I believe, three straight. Yeah. Um, how did their schedule last night, though? They're going to win a lot of games coming up here. They're going to win a lot of games. I, I said I thought Baker went on on College Game Day at the right time because that's when he was like the bell of the ball. Everyone was talking about him, and I, I, I thought he was getting ahead of the fact that he had this tough stretch where he was going to look bad and it wasn't going to be as good. Next, like six, five to six weeks. You're going to see him start stacking up a lot of wins here because they're playing some teams that he should be able to beat. I think the rhetoric, I think it will start to change back towards Baker's favor. Just a just a tough couple weeks for him. Yeah, and I, I see a Baker Mayfield Buccaneers jersey in my future, Jonathan. I think All I've right. made that call. Money's tight right now. Just moved into a new place. Sure. But well, I think, she gets I think the it's in my future. You get the jersey. They are roughly the same price. Make it a one for huh. one. Are they really? Is the cardigan like 100 bucks? What is it? I think she said it was like 90. So with tax, with shipping, yeah. With, with the birds there. on the back? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be around that price. If I buy her a Larry Bird cardigan, what does that cost? It's cost on that. All right, what else we got? To another team with a former Oklahoma quarterback, Kyler Murray is listed as doubtful for Sunday despite being fully healthy, according to Arizona's head coach, Jonathan Gannon. Gannon also used only uh, 15 you can, Hold words. on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go, on go on Etsy. Go on Etsy. You can buy, like, the knockoff version for 25 bucks. Well, that's the that's the thing. Taylor Swift fans don't want the knockoff version. They yeah. want the official Taylor Swift cardigan of that album. It looks just like it. It's a Speak Now one. It's, it looks just like it. If it's not pricey, if it's not official, she doesn't want it. Yeah, I don't blame her. I, don't, I like Etsy, though. I want to support Etsy. Yeah, Etsy's got a lot of knockoffs. All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Jonathan Gannon, Arizona Cardinals head coach, used only 15 words and four questions asked by the media today about Murray and his health. He's listed as doubtful, but despite being fully healthy, as I said. People in Cleveland questioning Deshaun Watson's desire to play. Does the same need to be asked about Kyler Murray, or is this one on the Cardinals organization? We always question Kyler Murray's want and ability to play. That's like the ongoing thing with Kyler Murray. Once we figured out that he likes Xbox more than he likes football, uh, he, they had to put a clause in when they gave him his big deal. Do you remember this, Jake? Yeah, the Call of Duty clause. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, because they learned he was the last guy in, first guy out. I think it's fascinating. You know, we might the, the Browns might be on the wrong end of this. We might have the first week back with Kyler Murray, and I don't think we want that. I know we don't want that. I, I'd much rather take Josh Dobbs. Uh, than Kyler Murray, but I, I got a feeling he's going to be out for vengeance against everyone that has just been basically tossing his name in the mud for the previous year and change. I would take Josh Dobbs, obviously, over Kyler Murray, but first game coming off an ASCL tear, I don't think he's going to be all that good week 
or in, in game one coming back from the injury, especially against a Browns defense that we've seen so far this season has just been electric. Taylor's cardigan is $70 in her shop, and I honestly don't think that's a bad deal. Uh, but I don't, where do you wear these things? What do you mean, where, where, do, you, where, wear? where do you wear a Taylor oh. Swift cardigan? Honestly, if she bought it, Jonathan, it'd probably stay in her closet, or she would get it framed and hung. Framed and hung. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, like, you buy, a, you buy a jersey, you wear it to the sporting event. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess you could wear it to... You wear to... it to the Taylor Swift concert where everyone else is going to wear their Taylor Swift cardigans? Either that or oh, the that's movie once every, still in That's theaters. once every four years. All right, so then now we're down to two times every four years. I don't know. Yeah, it's not... Doesn't seem like a good bang for your well, buck here. there's actually a lot of, like, Taylor Swift events held at, like, bars and things like that, listen parties, stuff like that. I know there's one in Kent, I believe, like, tonight or tomorrow night celebrating the 1989 release, so... That could be another event that you could wear. She's going to have a, to. you know, guys that have man cave. She's going to have a girl cave. And it'll just be like Taylor Swift framed memorabilia and stuff on the wall. That's kind of fun. In the future, yeah. Yeah. She oh. already has a couple of posters. Does she have, a, does she have a, an autograph from Taylor at all? No autograph. I think the closest interaction she got was she gave her mom a friendship place, a friendship bracelet. Wow. Friendship bracelet at the air store. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else we got? Any more? Yeah, let's head to New England and the 2-5 and five Patriots. Fans and reporters alike are questioning why receiver Kayshawn Booty hasn't been active since week one with limited playing time. Well, Bill Belichick had the answer today in what was a very Bill Belichick type of answer. In a very competitive situation. I feel like we have a lot of competition at that position. Everybody's in it. Guys who perform the best play the most. The guys that don't need to perform better. I know this is the standard for him, but am I crazy or can you hear more miserable undertones in his voice in that clip? It's just all downhill for him in New England right now. No, that's just him. That's just him. He always sounds like he's having the worst time ever. He sounded like that when he was winning Super Bowls. Like, legitimately wins the Super Bowl and was sounding just like that. So I, I can't make too much into that. I don't know where this goes. I do agree with Gronk, who earlier in the week said they partied and celebrated a little bit too hard for a week, uh, regular season victory. But, yeah, uh, Belichick's got to get his affairs in order, and that is off the beaten path. Good job out of you, Jake. We come on back, 216-474-0092. When the Cavs game wraps up, you'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk about what happened in that game. But we come on back. What does a win over the Seahawks mean for the Browns? What does it actually mean, especially without Deshaun Watson? 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I'm at Jay Peter, and it's overtime. With John of the Peter here with you on the fan. 